How's it going, everybody? Welcome to episode 21 of Fear Frequency. I'm your host, Jimmy Champagne, and with me today is my co-host and best friend in the whole world, George Frizzard. How's it going, dude? Good, man. What's up? Oh, man. We had a good week, listener-wise. We're bringing in some new people. They seem to like the show. We actually just got an email, like, right before we started recording. Uh, I accidentally closed the podcast email. Do you want to read it? Uh, Yeah. So this is from Mason Arnold. Who said, Jimmy and George, I recently started listening to your podcast, Fear Frequency, when your podcast Instagram account followed my co-host, Tyler Bears. I have to say, at first I was a little hesitant, but I love your podcast. I'm just a few episodes in, but it's fantastic so far. I'm about to go on iTunes and leave a five-star review because it's truly incredible. Just want to let you guys know how great you two are and to keep up the great work. I keep listening and enjoy it. So, thanks, Mason. Yeah, that was really nice, Mason. We really appreciate it. And speaking of our Instagram account, you should go follow it. Uh, We've been recommending movies every day, playing fun games like What's Your Favorite Slasher Movie, and a bunch of just other cool stuff like that. So you should go check it out. It's at Fear Frequency on Instagram. And yeah, we have a nice little community there. Maybe you'll make some new friends. But that was a really nice email we got. And he didn't leave a review yet, but that's because we would have read that but he sent the email literally as we were recording so uh what was his podcast called oh yeah uh he his podcast is called the right wrong turn we thought that was a good name now uh we tried to find it so we could listen to it and make to make sure he wasn't like a racist or anything (laughs) but uh uh it's it's only on Podbean. So you if you go on the like podcast apps, you won't find it. But if you go to Podbean or just Google the podcast, it'll come right up. And uh, their audio quality is good. It seems like they got a good thing going. So you should go check out their show. Yeah, for sure. So we have a big show this week. Segment one is news as always. Segment two is a review of The Stranger's Prey at Night. We got a Halloween alert, George, to start off this news topic. Yes, it we do. It just came in through the airwaves. Straight so George from... did the doc this week. So if you guys don't like the news... Tweet at him and call him an idiot. Yeah, if you can find it. His name's George Frazard. <laughs> <laughs> like, figure it out. Huh. All right, so our first Halloween alert this week, I guess and only, is that Danny McBride says Halloween will pay tribute even to the sequels it's retconning. Uh, this is an article from Bloody Disgusting, and there's a quote from Danny. He says, this picks up after the first one. He told Flickering Myth this. The Halloween franchise has kind of become a little bit more like choose your own adventure. You know, there's like so many different versions and the timeline is so mixed up. We just thought it would be easier to go back to the source and continue from there. We do reference the other movies for fans. We pay homage and respect to every Halloween that has been out there. That's pretty cool. You know, I'm fine with that. I hope it's not like an overt reference. Yeah, (laughs) I'm afraid that it is like going to be the opening crawl from uh, H20 when Ugh. they're in, like, the office and they show, like, Dr. Loomis and stuff like that. So yeah. I'd obviously prefer something not that. When, what do you think of them just showing the uh, intro from 4? I mean, obviously that would be ideal. That'd be the way to go. Or if they made the, a new one, but in the same style as 4's intro. I, I think it would be cool. I think it'd be cool to see you know kind of the boogeyman myth has grown over the years and you know now he's like part like almost like a pop culture icon in some way where people write like books about him or there's like comics or something like that and they might like those would be kind of stories similar to the sequels that 
you know, obviously don't aren't in this new universe. Yeah, so I wonder how they could pay reference in any way to two. And I really hope they don't make Lori I hope they don't keep Lori being related to Michael. No. I think that's cut for sure. I think that's the one reason that they're retconning two out of it completely is to yeah, avoid that whole be. thing. I wonder if they'll pay homage to three, which would be cool. Like three? if they put the masks in the yeah. background or something. Like you could see, you know, maybe they go through a store, a convenience store, and the silver shamrock ma- masks are hanging up somewhere. Yeah, or like I, we saw that video of the Halloween dance scene with the little kids, like if some of them are yeah. wearing the masks. Yeah, a couple of kids wearing those. That'd be cool. Yeah, I'd be down for that. So, I mean, it's cool, though, that they're, you know, like, it's not like Ghostbusters 2016, where everyone working on that movie was, like, constantly shitting on the fans of the other ones, you know? Yeah. It's like they're acknowledging these fans in a good way, being like, hey, we recognize you. We just didn't want to be held back by a lot of baggage. We want to tell our own story that's a sequel to the one that most people think is the best. Yeah. And I think it's gonna be cool i'm interested that i'm interested to just kind of see how they incorporate that yeah me too and then there's another halloween alert news piece that i just remembered jason blum tweeted that he will be seeing a rough cut of the film in six weeks that's soon yeah so well what the release date is currently october 18th so october 19th 19th so jason blum said it's happening dude I mean, that's, October 19th. that's crazy, man. We're getting a new Halloween movie this year. I know. It's great. I'm so excited. <laughs> it's going to be awesome. I hope it's good. Yeah. This is the company that made Unfriended, after all. Oh, yeah. And we got a little <laughs> bit of Unfriended news coming later down the pipe. Yeah. Just a teaser for what's next. <laughs> so, <laughs> spoilers. We both hate that movie. Um, <laughs> surprise. We don't like a movie. Um... <laughs> Next up on the list, uh, Bloody Disgusting wrote an article called Is the Stranger's Prey at Night Really Based on a True Story? John Squires wrote it. We've talked about this before on the show. I know it. But I, because I remember when the trailer came out, I looked this up. So basically, the first movie, I know of this by memory for some reason. The first movie was based on an experience the director Brian Bertino had when he was a kid. He was at his grandparents' house with his sister and people were going door to door and knocking on the door and asking for um, someone, like Tamara, probably Tamara. And then they would rob the people who weren't home if they didn't answer the door. So he kind of tied that in. And then the inspiration was the Sharon Tate murders, you know, from the Charles Manson times. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they said on a lot of the marketing for Pray at Night that it was inspired by true events. But they mean it in the way that this movie exists in the same universe as the first one. And the first one was inspired by true events. And these are the same characters. So this is inspired by true events, technically. Which is like, why? I I only really wanted to add this because I think the whole inspired by true events thing is like a pretty played out tagline that I think movies should just kind of drop in general. Like... Any movie with a murder in it is inspired by yeah, events yeah, someone people get murdered. Surprise, someone has been murdered in the in the real world. So uh, that that has happened before. I mean, it's just played out. It doesn't no one is going to like leave like any of these horror movies and be like, "Whoa, I better watch out or 
that guy that was just in the movie is going to come after me. It's like... Alien is inspired by true events because people have been to space. We sent a rocket into space. I better not get on the on a, <laughs> one of those SpaceX rockets or a Xenomorph's going to get me. <laughs> yeah, that's... You're, you're right, dude. That is really dumb. I'm sick of it. Yeah, it's just... It doesn't mean anything. It's just a thing people put on movies that <laughs> is just... I mean, it's just an extra tagline that they can say and talk about, but in real life, it, it means nothing. Yeah, it also doesn't really mean anything in the film, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Like, if, if inspired by it just means, like, we stole this idea, <laughs> and, we do, and we don't want to give it enough credit to where we'd have to pay the person we took it from. So we're just, like, using the idea as a basis for the story and running in a completely different direction. It's not like Monster the Eileen Warnos movie that Patty Jenkins directed, that's like, that's not inspired by, that is like, it's a biopic. It's yeah. different. Or like yeah. I, Tanya, you know, even though I, Tanya makes it look like she didn't know anything was going on, which is fucking stupid and wrong, but it's still like a biopic, you know? Right, that's trying to be accurate to a real life event. That's not like something specific or a specific person. It's things like this is just like, Yep, someone has been killed, so we're going to kill people in this movie. Yeah, so that's pretty funny that they still use that tagline for this movie. Yeah. And then just, you know, it, it wasn't right. But whatever. <laughs> so <laughs> we get to hit the other nail that we like to hit on the head. Stephen King news. He edited horror anthology Flight or Fright, and it will include a new Stephen King story. Is that the title of the article, or did you write that sentence? No, that's oh, the title no. of the article. Wow, it's really bad. Okay. <laughs> okay, all right. <laughs> Let me try and read this right. Maybe cut Stephen... that part. <laughs> Stephen King edited horror anthology Flight or Fright will, incru- will include new King story. What, why wouldn't it be like anthology written by Stephen King includes? <laughs> well, because it's not written by him. Oh, anthology. It's an anthology book. Wait, can we can we make this better, or am I just like being unnecessarily? I, I mean, I just copied critical. the the title. I don't give a shit what you call it. <laughs> no, no. I want to see if we can write this better, or if I'm being too critical of the article title. So Stephen King. So new anthology book. New anthology. Flight or fright will include new king yeah does it really yeah this is really stupid okay horror anthology edited by stephen king no horror anthology flight or fright edited by stephen king will include a new king story that's a better way to write the title but it's still long Eh, whatever you guys get the point right fight or flight horror anthology to include new king story yeah i mean you could just put the edited part in the (laughs) It doesn't need to include that in the title, I don't think. I think that's what's throwing this whole thing off. Like, <laughs> uh, it should. Yeah. So, what did you just say? What should it be called? <laughs> new horror anthology, flight or fright, will include a new King story. <laughs> cool. Uh, so, coming this September from Cemetery Dance Publications, Flight or Fright is all about in-flight horror stories. Oh, this sounds terrifying. <laughs> oh, my God. And it, it was co-edited by Stephen King and Bev Vincent. The 400-page book, which will be available in a trade hardcover edition and slipcased artist edition, as well as an audiobook, includes new stories from Stephen King and Joe Hill. 
The part where I said, oh, that's going to be terrifying was not in the description. That was me adding it in. in case That's a little flavor tell. text. Yeah, a little flavor. Because I think this is a really scary concept. Yeah, I mean, there's a ton of creepy stories you can tell on an airplane. Because being in an airplane is pretty terrifying. Have you ever seen Rings? No. So that, that movie starts with a plane crash, and it's the only movie to have a plane crash in it that didn't work. It's not scary. It's just really dumb. You're telling me Samar- Samara that, that comes out the, of the airplane. The plane TVs. crash is worse in that movie than in Victor Crowley. Uh, I like the one in Victor Crowley. I thought it was. I just realistic. mean like the budget was so different. That, oh, like, they, uh, it's yeah, like less it's convincing a, than that movie. <laughs> it's all CGI and it looks terrible. And then they cut away before the plane actually crashes. Like it's one. Of, you know that thing they're doing with trailers these days for horror movies, where they show like a supercut of everything in the trailer, yeah. then the title, and then the actual trailer for people who aren't five. Yeah. So they do that with this movie. They actually do it in The Strangers Pray at Night also. Like where it's a it's a set it's a it's a way to introduce the movie with a death scene. But you're not going to commit to actually telling a story with it. You're just going to show something happen that's probably unused footage that didn't make it into the movie. So you see these people sitting on a plane. We're introduced to this character who means nothing to the story. Then Samara comes out of the TV and then the plane shakes and everyone's like <laughs> and then and then it cuts to the title card it's like it's like that you know well so that's not scary yeah so that's your early synopsis of the first five minutes of the rings movie that i don't think anybody even saw anyway <laughs> johnny galecki's in it <laughs> is he really yeah that's weird i think he kills himself spoilers who cares yeah but anyway i think this is a cool <laughs> concept for a horror anthology book and it's 400 pages I, I, i'm that's gonna read long. this there's a lot of stories in this thing uh, yeah that's like 400 pages <laughs> <laughs> i don't have any way to quantify it <laughs> do you want to read the table of contents it's kind of long uh i mean it's like you, you could just pick some of them <laughs> <laughs> well in total there's let's see an introduction by Stephen King. You're going to count all those? There's a bunch of them. <laughs> There's an intro by King. There's an old Sir Arthur Conan Doyle story called The Horror of the Heights. Nightmare at 20,000 feet. Isn't that what the that Twilight Zone bit was based off of? There's 19. I counted it. There you go. 19 stories. Uh, yeah, and that probably is the Twilight Zone one with that weird monkey on the wings. Yeah, yeah. The Stephen King story is called The Turbulence Expert. And the Joe Hill story is called You Are Released. Um, when does it come out, does it say? Uh, this comes out... Let me see... September. Cool if, okay. That's fun. I'll yeah, read that. That's good. Red round... The fall season. I like the cover because it looks like the plane is flying into a mean face. <laughs> That's kind of fun. It's pretty fun. <laughs> okay, so next up. The Fox chairman casts serious doubts on renewal of The Exorcist. Well, that's not surprising because we said we were going to watch this season and then we talked about it once and didn't. So. Yep. <laughs> I mean, not a big shocker. I don't think anyone was really watching this show. I mean, it's we, just, we tried I'm to save just, it. Ugh. We tried to help help it. 
Because then yeah, we told other we told other people to watch it. It's all your faults. <laughs> yeah, just pass the blame. <laughs> yeah, I mean we're just two people. There's there's at least a hundred of you. <laughs> so. <laughs> I mean, things weren't looking good for this show. Uh, the, there was a massive dip between the first season viewing and the second season viewing, like right from the start, and I don't think it ever picked back up from there. Uh, yeah, and you know what? Showing that show on a Friday was pretty fucking dumb, if you ask me. It's like how they're putting up Ash vs. Evil Dead against The Walking Dead. <laughs> yeah, it's like, I don't know why no one's watching it. <laughs> Take one it's like- guess. It's, it's like tying someone up and putting them on a train track and saying they had the ability to save themselves. Yeah. It's like, okay. <laughs> I mean, it's just... It's sad that we can't have, you know, more shows that are based on horror. Like, yeah. old movies, like Ash vs. Evil Dead and The Exorcist. But I think we have other shows that are also kind of horror-based that are, you know, not, I don't want to say better, but more engaging, I guess. Keep, yeah. keep viewers more interested in it. I mean, like, Hannibal, yeah, that ended on, like, a third season, and that was also pretty bad in viewership, but at least they got, like, a full story out of it. They were able to finish everything. Right, and, um... Fargo you know, consistently Fargo's does well. Fargo's great. Fargo's my favorite show of all time. Channel Zero's awesome. Yeah, Channel Zero's very good. Ash vs. Evil Dead. Yeah, I mean, it's we have like some good options, but I think in general the horror TV shows are kind of lacking right now. Outcast is finally coming back. How long was the hiatus between the first and second season <laughs> on that show? So I moved out to LA in 2016. So that show aired almost a year and a half ago, I want to say, at least. Then they aired season two in England, and then they just wouldn't answer any questions about airing it here. But then Cinemax announced a couple months ago they're going to finally air it here, but they're also going to re-air the first season on HBO before it comes out, obviously, because if you put out the second season two years later, it's sending it out to die. And they say there's a chance it'll get renewed if people actually watch it, but it probably doesn't look very good because they waited two fucking years to re- (laughs) Like, air the second season of the show in the U.S. So, is it going to be... Is season two going to be on HBO? Yeah. Oh, no. Season one. And then season two will be on Cinemax. That's so weird. Yeah. But that show was actually really good. I don't know. Yeah, it was great. Great adaptation of a great comic. Yeah. So, hopefully that one doesn't die. Go watch that one. Yeah, and then The Terror. We talked about that before. Yeah. I know people really like The Strain. I never really got into it, but... Yeah, uh, I don't know. That didn't that didn't live up to FX's usual quality, in my opinion. I yeah. tried to watch that show multiple times. Just didn't work for me. Um, I tried watching Supernatural. That show's pretty good. It's just I don't have it in me to watch thirteen seasons of a show. I mean, it's like Supernatural's fun. I like what they do with like a lot of the like mythos of like demons and stuff. But I mean, yeah. it's very sitcom monster of the week. It's like baby's first horror show. Yeah, uh, Vampire Diaries is more violent, and it's kind of it's super romancy, obviously. But yeah. there's a lot of killing and death and stuff and blood on that show. That uh, is pretty cool. I don't know. I like I watched the last season of that show with my girlfriend. It was pretty pretty dope. 
so that show's over. But American Horror um, Story, people like that show. Ugh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Good thing Ryan Murphy got hired by Netflix. Now they'll have to cancel that show. <laughs> I to be fair, I like the first three seasons. Like the first season's mediocre, but it's solid, I guess. The second season has aliens and cannibals and Ed Gein and uh, a big mental hospital. That's kind of cool. Third season is like Dark Harry Potter with a really cool intro. Then it's all downhill from there, I think. Yeah, so I think there's a lot of horror shows. Did I say there was like not very many? Because as I'm going through, I realize there are way more than I thought. No, your point was that there are a lot <laughs> of other ones. You said, I don't know what your point was. I don't know what I my think point was I, either. That's how I took it. I just kind of started rambling, but I think basically <laughs> we need to cut it down and get more quality instead of quantity. Yeah, like... Which I think I just right. contradicted myself in the beginning, but... Who cares? But anyways, Channel Zero is really good. In summation, you should watch Channel Zero. It's six episodes long. It's an anthology show that's based on creepypastas. It has awesome, awesome practical effects. Lots of blood, lots of gore. This new cannibal season is amazing. And it's renewed up until the fourth season, but it's not renewed after that, so people should just watch it. And just it's generally it. really creepy. Yeah, I, I rewatched Candle Cove. I talked shit about it last time we talked about the show. I think I just needed to pay attention more because it's it's really good. Like, once you figure it out and, like, actually pay attention to the show and, like, don't sit on your phone the entire time or watch it at work. Um, I just couldn't get past the teeth guy. It grossed me out too much. Oh, uh, yeah, he's a really good bad guy. Really, <laughs> really creepy. He's too gross. Eats teeth. So, when The Exorcist gets canceled... Go back and watch every episode of Channel Zero. That's the news story. <laughs> That's I what... <laughs> Oops, I just rewrote the headline. That's what it says. Oh, you did. I see it. Wow, this is crazy. <laughs> Anyways, so at South by Southwest, the first thing I want to talk about is that Ready Player One had its world premiere, and people really liked it. It has almost unanimous praise. Reviews are great. People are loving it. They're saying, man, this new untalented up-and-coming director steven spielberg i wish we heard about him before he did a great job on this movie uh you got you guys should all see it i'm not even being sarcastic it, i was being sarcastic about the part where no one knows who he is because he's the best director of all time probably but people really like it yeah and i know we were talking about trailers early on saying that we were expecting it hoping that it would be good and we both like the the novel it's based on and obviously have had a lot of faith in uh, Spielberg. So I'm, I'm really excited to go out to the theater and see this one. Yeah, and Chris Duckman tweeted that something I didn't know, that Steven Spielberg is one of the only directors who directly controls what ends up in the trailers for his movies. So that could explain why the trailers were so light on info uh, for this movie, you know, because Steven Spielberg doesn't want huge details from his movie being shared out because that's a big problem is trailers spoil the entire plot. Yeah, I hate trailers that give away too much. Yeah, so I'm really excited. Like, if it doesn't look like it's your jam, then that's fine. Don't go see it. But as someone who was really hoping it would be good, despite everyone around me telling me it was going to suck ass, I'm really glad that people think it's a good movie. Yeah. I mean, it's not all unanimous praise. I've saw, I saw a few people saying that it was uh, just like a lot of references with no connective yeah, tissue. Yeah, I did see that. But my buddy John said that actually. But I mean, I, I'm I'm gonna definitely see it for myself and see what it's all about. I'm I'm really interested in that one. 
All right, so next up with South by Southwest news, we're going to talk about Unfriended, and we don't like the first movie. It's poorly... So, I'm a person that notices continuity errors a lot, and because that movie was shot in one take, there are a lot of them in it, and I feel like while most of them couldn't be avoided, a lot of them could. And yes, it is a cool idea for a movie. I will give it that. The acting just is really bad, and the story is bad, and it doesn't make any sense. So... When, it, when we heard news that at South by Southwest, Blumhouse surprised everyone with a screening of Unfriended sequel, Unfriended Dark Web, uh, which is a bad title, uh, we were like, ugh, groan, 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 groan. But then I read this tweet from Trace Thurman that says, Unfriended Dark Web is a total fucking blast. A different take on the same narrative gimmick that Unfriended had, though it has more in common with The Den than that film. But it fixes a lot of complaints people had about the first one. Don't miss it. So that's good. That's good news. I like everything about that tweet is good. Because The Den, if you guys don't know, is a movie where this girl is doing a college thesis project on Omegle and Chat Roulette. And then she ends up falling into a human trafficking, slavery, uh, torture ring. And it's pretty scary. So I'm kind of excited for this. Yeah. I mean, I really like The Den. And I think that was kind of the first movie's concept, but just executed way better. So if this takes notes from that and gets the gimmick right and has a little bit better story about what's actually going on with the main character, then I'm down for it. I mean, we try to give every movie the benefit of the doubt, even if we don't like the Mm -hmm. original. I, I mean, I'm... It sounds interesting. I don't I'm not just going to write this one off. I wish they released a trailer with it. That would have shown some real confidence in my opinion. They also didn't announce a release date, so they might still be making changes to the movie. But the synopsis is a 20-something finds a cache of hidden files on his new laptop and is thrust into the deep waters of the dark web. From the makers of Unfriended, this thriller unravels in real time entirely on a computer screen, a warning for the digital age. So, not a lot of information there to go off of. Yeah. I wonder what he finds on his computer. Big old cachet, dude. Bunch of pictures of your mom. (laughs) Caught him. Caught him. (laughs) Fucking wrecked. Walked into that one. (laughs) Okay, so we have one more news story here. I'll let you read it. So, R.L. Stein has revealed the official Goosebumps sequel title. It is called Slappy Halloween. Ugh. Come on. <laughs> that's, that's a bad title. I feel like this movie is just a reboot of the first one. Not not a remake. Just like, hey, we're just making another Goosebumps movie. It has nothing to do with the first one and all these characters you like. But hey, Slappy's coming back in real life. So, well, isn't you happy the, about that? Isn't the end of the first Goosebumps, spoilers if anyone hasn't seen the end of the first Goosebumps, isn't Slappy out and about? Um, I forget, but that would make sense. I think he, I think the first movie ends with him, like, driving off with the book or whatever. Oh, that's cool. I forgot about that. So it's, like, Uh, his, like, his Halloween, like, he goes out and, like, starts wreaking havoc, because he's got the book. Mm. Uh, yeah, and Slappy is my favorite Goosebumps villain. I really liked him. He creeped me out when I was younger. Except for Monster Blood. That was my favorite. I mean, nothing beats... Oh my god, what is her name? The Haunted Mask. Carly Beth? Carly Beth. <laughs> Carly she's Beth. She's just a huge bitch to everyone around her. 
<laughs> well, she has that creepy voice, man. Terrifying. Uh, it's me, Carly Beth. <laughs> <laughs> Haunting. Haunting. It was like, haunts my nightmares every night. I wanted the mask to kill her. <laughs> Even when I was a kid. <laughs> I was like, this girl deserves it. She's mean. I mean, she is pretty She's mean. mean. <laughs> like, her mom makes her that dope duck costume. Yeah, but then she learns the power of friendship, so it all works out in the end. Kind of. <laughs> you think the haunted mask is going to make uh, an appearance in this one? I hope so, and I hope Carly Beth wears it and dies. <laughs> I want to see this kid die on screen in this kid's movie. This kid who's like was a child actress during the first Goosebumps show and is a full-grown adult by now. <laughs> they can recast her. <laughs> the character is the same. No. I don't hate the actress. Why do you hate her so much? What do you have against the actress who played Carly Beth? <laughs> Nothing! It's the character Carly Beth I hate. Why? Carly Beth sucks. adult woman that just played Carly <laughs> Beth once when she was a kid on Goosebumps. Fuck you. <laughs> uh, yeah, also, I know I made fun of the title, Slappy Halloween, but that is like on par with any other Goosebumps book, and it's also a kid's movie, so I can't really judge it. Yeah. Uh... I don't know if I'm going to go to the theaters for this one. I'll probably see I it. I didn't go it's... to the theaters for the first one, so. Yeah, I'll probably see it when it's on, uh, like, VOD. The only reason I want to see it is the kid who's playing, who played Ben is in it. I love him. He's so great. He's the opposite of Carly Beth. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and that closes out our Carly Beth news for the day. Are you allowed to kill children on screen in movies yet? No. Damn. If you're an artist, use your skills to draw the haunted mask. Do a mashup of the scene from Halloween 3 where the kid is wearing the mask and the TV plays the ad and then snakes and bugs come out of the mask. Do that iconic shot of him lying on the floor, but make it Carly Beth with her dumb outfit from the TV show Goosebumps and make it the haunted mask. Like, don't make it, don't show her face or anything because it's. The actress is fine. Like, I don't want to see this real person dead, but, like, you know. That'd be cool. I think that'd be sweet. We'll put it on a shirt. <laughs> one one day. One day. <laughs> and with that, we will close the book. Get it on Got segment it. one of the show. <laughs> We're going to take a quick break, and then we'll come back with our review of The Strangers, directed by John Carpenter. Alright, we're back from our quick break, and we're going to be talking about The Strangers, Pray at Night, which, George, I should have listened to you, man. You you predicted it would be bad. <laughs> I held out hope. I didn't want to be right. Yeah, yeah. To preface this, we wanted this movie to be good. I was excited for it. I thought it looked cool, and I was okay with the tonal changes of the movie. So before you comment that it's a tonal change and it's okay... I'm fine with that. I'm fine with the direction that it wanted to go in. So don't tell us this. We're, we're all on the same page with that, right? Yes. I'm fine okay. with the tonal shift. I don't care if you make a movie 10 years later in the same universe and you change the tone. That's fine. Yeah. Also, 
I don't care if it's inspired by John Carpenter. That's good. I like him. So there's the two things we needed to say before this review. Right? Yeah. Is that it? That's about it. Okay. So this movie is directed by Johannes Roberts, who directed 47 Meters Down and The Other Side of the Door. And he's also directing 48 Meters Down. Now, what you'll notice about those movies is that they're all bad. You... <laughs> Like, 47 Meters Down, kind of enjoyable, I would guess. I kind of like that movie. 48 Meters Down isn't out yet, so I guess I was wrong, but... (laughs) He's he's 3 for 3 on bad movies, so... You know, maybe he'll go 4 for 4. If he's lucky. (sighs) But yeah, so... Basically, this movie has taken 10 years to make. Brian Bertino wrote the sequel, then they had another guy rewrite it, Ben Katai, and then they released it in theaters. It's... It stars a family of four, uh, Cindy, Kinsey, Mike, and Luke. Mike and Cindy are the parents. Mike's played by Martin Henderson. Cindy is played by Christina Hendricks. Uh, Kinsey is played by Bailey Madison. And Lewis Pullman plays Luke. Kinsey is the main character. She is a rebellious teen who likes the Ramones. And she smokes cigarettes, so her parents are sending her to boarding school. So they're driving. They're going to drive her down to boarding school. They're going to stop at this trailer park that cindy's aunt and uncle own and run to stay overnight and lo and behold the strangers are already there so the night is not good for them yep they pray at night if you will yeah so let's talk about one thing that i liked we each have to say one thing we liked about this movie i have i like i have I two like things the title. i like okay i like the title i think the title's good that's it <laughs> <laughs> i think no that the I like the soundtrack. The soundtrack is good, but the soundtrack is good because the songs are good, not because yeah. it fits in the movie in any way, shape, or form. So there's a lot to dive in he, into here on why this movie is bad, but let's just focus on first, since we're already talking about it, the completely shoehorned in '80s aesthetic. Yeah. So. This movie was definitely not shot with the 80s aesthetic in mind. I've seen a lot of people saying they don't know what time frame it takes place in, but I'm just going to assume it takes place in 2008 because uh, the first movie took place in 2005. This movie was written right after the first movie came out in 2008, and these are the same people who are doing the killing in this movie. So it stands to reason that it takes place in 2008. A, because their car is a 2007 town and country, and B, or, yeah, Town and & Country, and B, the phones all look like they're from 2007 or 2008. Like, there's flip phones and Blackberries. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I don't think the, like, time period really matters. Like, you know it's not in the past. Like, you know it's not right. an 80s. Yeah, like. but people weren't clear on whether or not this was a sequel or a reboot, and I think it is a direct sequel. Like, right? I just, it's just, yeah, I just it think does, it, it exists doesn't really in have the to. same universe. It just is yeah. another one of the killings that the strangers crew is done and that's cool because like it's just showing that they're regular old murderers and i like that setup a lot that these are just old regular old murderers but this movie has an 80s aesthetic and you can definitely tell i mean the director's talked about it before but one of his big inspirations was christine the john carpenter version of stephen king's novel and you've seen this in the trailer but the pickup truck is basically a character in this movie and uh that's straight out of christine and then the soundtrack is ripped straight from the fog or the score i mean 
and the title treatment looks like it's straight off a Stephen King novel, and the font they use for the credits is, I'm pretty sure, the same font they use for the title treatment of Christine. So, if you didn't notice from any of that, the 80s aesthetic in this movie, other than the actual truck, is mostly done in post. So, it it doesn't feel, it's like kind of soulless, if well, you ask me. And the truck isn't the truck's the same one from the first movie so yeah so like if you were to say that that is an 80s aesthetic then you'd say the first one had an 80s aesthetic no i I meant like the scenes involving the truck how they're like clearly ripped from christine which is an 80s movie that's like the 80s yeah that's what i meant that's i was being fair to this movie (laughs) (laughs) i was giving it credit where it's due you know yeah i i actually like i think the I'm kind of conflicted on this thing that I like. I think the trailer park is cool and creepy. I think Mm -hmm. the way it's set up, it does set a good environment where it's at night, it's foggy, there's no one there, everyone's left for the season. So they are very isolated in the trailer park. And Mm -hmm. I think that is a good setup for the movie. It felt like Camp Crystal Lake to me, where, like, the counselors were yeah. there early, you know? That, yeah. It had that feel. It was kind of like that. And I thought that was a good setup. I thought that was actually a good setting for the movie. Yeah, the problem is but... that... <laughs> Wait, yeah, you, you can talk about it, because I think we'll have the same problem. Sorry. I think it's a good setting, but I think it's too big of a environment for the characters to move around in. It yeah, doesn't... Yeah, that's what I was just it, saying. There's, like, nothing about it where you ever feel claustrophobic or that they could be closed in on because yeah, and they do they do so many wide shots too they don't even try and make it feel claustrophobic yeah and i think one of the big you know benefits of the first movie taking place in one house and the surrounding woods is that they couldn't leave that they mm-hmm. were stuck in the house the whole terror of it was that they knew they were going to die. They knew they were never going to beat the strangers because they had them surrounded. There was no mm-hmm. way for them to ever leave. And this doesn't do that at all. Yeah. And then, so let's talk about uh, how this movie introduces the strangers because it's identical to the first movie. So these people, this, this family of four, they're in the trailer, yeah, right? Like yeah. They're in mm-hmm. the trailer and uh, the strangers come and knock on the door the doll face stranger comes and knocks on the door and she asks for tamara and of course she unscrews the light bulb beforehand and before they even come to the door cindy and mike go to make out so it's it's identical to the first movie but it doesn't really work because of what george just said where they're not stuck in this trailer like they can leave the trailer run around the whole like you know campsite and they have a lot more room to work with and there's a big bigger chance that they'll escape escape the strangers yeah like it doesn't ever feel like the strangers have them in a position where they're in control 100 percent. yeah and this so the strangers end up having the same ability as jason where they can be wherever they want whenever they want and that's stupid like there's a part where for example uh i think it's pinup girl it might be Dollface. One of the women one is chasing Kinsey and Luke. And Kinsey goes into a trailer completely at random. But somehow already in the trailer is a jack-in-the-box waiting for her. And it's just so stupid. Like, how would that ever be set up? <laughs> She's being chased. You know? It's not like the person had any time to go into this trailer and set that up. 
Also, a lot of the scares are jump scares, and I will say that some of them don't use the music cue to scare you, like they're legitimate jump scares, but there's a couple other ones involving the truck, where the truck just runs into buildings where people are sitting, and you don't hear the truck driving up, which is bullshit, because it's this old beater. Like, you would hear it from a mile away, but it's just silent, and the truck drives through the wall, it's like... Yeah, that one was the one jump scare that got me, when they just plow through the wall. Yeah. But, I mean, in general, I didn't really find it scary. I didn't think that any of the, besides that one jump scare, didn't get me. I didn't feel really, like, that afraid of the strangers. I think they almost make them too, like, like mythical in this one. Like, the, the big one with the mask and the axe is, like, literally becomes like a slasher 80s villain to the point where he just cannot be killed by anything. Mm-hmm. And that kind of defeats the whole purpose of, like, the reason that the first one is scary is because it's real people that come to get you, that are, are there just to fuck with you. And this is like, yeah. oh, I guess he's, uh, like, an immortal demon that is just walking around with this family who... His family seems to be normal, but he's unkillable <laughs> for some reason. Yeah. And, I mean, and it is cool that once the kids are on their own, they start fighting back. I thought that was kind of sweet. But uh, the one scene that this movie really has going for it is that pool sequence where, I mean, we can talk about it because every single good scene or basically every major scene in this movie is spoiled in the trailer because the movie's 80 minutes long. So it's not like they had a lot to work with. But the, the pool scene that everyone's seen. You've seen most of it in the trailer, actually. So Luke goes to the pool area, and he manages to, like, get in a fight with Pinup Girl. And then the sackhead guy starts swinging at him with an axe. And it's a lot like Texas Chainsaw Massacre. But it's edited really well. It has great directing and shot work. And it actually has tension, and it's kind of scary. And, like, part of me is really happy about that, but the other part of me is just pissed because it's, like... The rest of the movie is so poorly edited and directed and acted that it's like, how did you get this one scene right? I mean, uh, I, I like, I thought the pool scene was the most interesting visually in the whole movie because there's a okay. lot of like the neon lights and everything. I thought that all looked cool, but I mean, I thought that the actual like fight in the pool was so stupid. Like, Once they get in the pool, I thought that was so dumb. Yeah, me too. That was so. It's, it's like it's it starts so great. It's a great fight, and then they jump in the pool, and then Luke is like holding a knife. He's like, oh, he just drops it for no reason. <laughs> he just lets go of the knife that he's holding. It's like what? Why? Why? <laughs> and, and that's not the first time that he has a oh character dead to rights and walks oh. away. They introduce a gun in this movie. Very early on, which is just stupid because no one, you know, as soon as a character gets a gun that's on the good guy team, quote unquote, they're not going to use it. And there is a part where Luke is pointing a gun at the doll face girl after she's killed people that he's related to. And won't spoil who. And then he doesn't kill her. Why? Why wouldn't you just shoot her? I mean, at that point, it's literally you're fighting for your life. This girl is a killer. She has a weapon. You have a gun to her head. Why would you not kill her in that exact moment? That makes no sense to let her walk away. That's just leaving a threat to come. Like, 
I, I'm not like a, some murderer. I'm not just going around killing people. But yeah. if I was in those that guy's shoes, there's no way I would not kill her at that point. Shoot her in the legs. Like, incapacitate her. Do anything. And she gives him an opportunity to do it. She stands there. Just stands there. Doesn't even move. Yeah, because she She's knows like, he's not going to do anything because she yeah. has plot armor. Yeah, she has plot armor. That's a good way to put it. And there's another scene where another character is dying. There's only four characters in this movie, so take a guess. And... <laughs> oh, yeah, this part's really stupid. I know what you're about to say. It's a guy who's trapped in the driver's seat of a car because someone throws garbage at the car while he's driving it. And he's like, ah! And he, like, drives into a mobile home. And a piece of wood kind of impales him a little bit, but not enough to instantly kill him, which is unrealistic. And he sends his kid... Oh, I just spoiled who it is. He sends his... Mike sends his kid away to find his sister with the gun. And uh, so Mike runs away. No, Luke runs away. And then Sackhead comes and sits in the front seat of the car, turns up the radio, and kills Mike. But the scene is so poorly Off edited. Screen. Oh, yeah. This movie, there's no reason this movie should be rated R. You don't see anyone, you don't see any stabbings, you don't see any gore whatsoever. You just see blood. They must have just said fuck one too many times. Honestly, I'm almost positive it was probably just an editing oversight where they left in one too many swear words <laughs> and got stuck with the R rating. Yeah, because, I, I, <laughs> like, honestly, like, all the kills are off screen. Yeah, they're like it, it's it's hilarious. Like this one's covered up by the the black cinnabars. Like he stabs Mike off like off camera. There's another part where someone gets stabbed in the back. You don't see it. And then when Luke fights with Sackhead in the pool, he takes a couple slashes, but you don't see it. No, that's like, just every, blood every in the single, pool. Oh. It's not yeah. like you don't see any entrance wounds or any gore. It's just <laughs> blood in the pool. Yeah, so this movie probably could have been rated PG-13, um, but it's really poorly edited. And speaking of that. Uh, during this, I'm going to, I'm going to do some, we're going to break this down. So during this, Sackhead is in the car, right? And Dollface is chasing Kinsey, uh, through the trailer park. And Kinsey runs into the tube, where this scene is also spoiler, spoiled in the trailer. And when she's in the tube, Pinup Girl is in the tube too, for some reason. She just knows to be there, which like, (laughs) honestly, that's a thing I've seen criticized, but the, I'll, I'll talk about why I think it's not that dumb, actually, in a second. The car, the truck is also chasing her. So who's driving the fucking truck? Because Sackhead is in the car with the dad. Pinhead's in the tube, or Pinup Girl's in the tube, and Dollface is chasing her on foot. So who the fuck is driving the car? But anyways, the reason I don't think it's that dumb that Pinup Girl's in the tube is because the car herds Kinsey towards the playground yeah. you know yeah so that like that that was set up it's just the problem is they edited the movie so fucking wrong that they forgot that sackhead was in the car like not in the actual <laughs> truck he's in the car with the dad so who's driving the truck <laughs> i mean maybe it really is that? christine maybe it does drive itself uh, yeah that's i made a joke about that in my video that really just rubbed people the wrong way where i said <laughs> it really is like christine because the car ends up being sentient but it's not on purpose <laughs> Did you notice that, though? I didn't notice it until you brought it up. I didn't even think okay. about it. I, I want to see the movie again, but I don't want to pay for it just to see if I'm right. But I'm, like, 99% sure I'm right on that. Because, like, I started paying attention immediately because, again, I'm the kind of person who notices editing errors. So once I saw how poorly constructed this movie was, I started paying attention way more to editing because I was like, oh, there's, there's going to be a fuck-up. Like, I know it. <laughs> and also... 
This movie is 80 minutes long, but it could easily be longer because the first 10... They, they set up these characters so poorly. Like, it's done so fast at the beginning. They introduce the characters. They're in the car. They're driving. And it's like, okay, cool. They all hate each other. Great. Like, they had they have time to work with where they could have made these... Flesh these characters out, shown that they actually like each other. Like, there's no reason for Kinsey to be a piece of shit if you're just going to kill off family members you know you want to like these people you want to relate to them on an emotional level but if you pit them all against each other in very shallow ways from the start it's really hard to care about any of them and they had time to work with because and because they didn't use that time luke's character is older brother who likes baseball that is all the development you get on that character yeah characters were extremely weak um i mean I also, I mean, do we want to spoil, like, Kill Order? Yeah, guys, if you are going to see this movie, we're going to talk about spoilers now. So, I'm talking slowly, deliberately, so I'm giving you a chance to pause the podcast in your car, close YouTube, it's not on YouTube, close your podcast app. Okay. Do do we want to just give our short, spoiler-free synopsis for anyone who wants to listen to just that? I already did, remember? the beginning oh yeah okay so we're good there we're good so all right we're gonna spoil the the movie now so if you're still here three two one we're spoiling the movie run away ah all right so what what were you gonna say so i think it's dumb that they literally kill christina Hendricks first because you because she was the most expensive actress and you know that's the reason yes she is the only person who can (laughs) act and they kill her immediately also she has a conversation with kinsey and for some reason they did it all in one take and it's the only person that can act with one of the people who can't act, Kinsey. And it's terribly written. But Christina Hendricks, you know, she carries her carries her weight. But they do it all in one take for some reason, which is so dumb. You have multiple cameras. It's not like you only had one camera. You could have done it in multiple takes and constructed a realistic conversation. Yeah, I thought oh another God. super weak area of this movie was the dialogue. I thought a lot of the dialogue was, was just so very weird. dumb and... I want to know what, what parts of this Brian Bertino wrote <laughs> and what parts of this. I mean, and, like you said, the fact that there's literally no buildup of the family as like a cohesive unit when they have these like heart to heart discussions about like, don't worry, like we're going to get through this together and like, like all this stuff. It's just like, why would I care at all that like they're going <laughs> to make it out? Like, I honestly don't know who these people are. And let's talk about the ages of actors in this okay let's get a little personal attacky okay so martin henderson is old as fuck christina Hendricks isn't young but they're written as characters who are like parents that had their kids too young you know like christina Hendricks is like i was rebellious too i smoke cigarettes because that's that's the inciting incident <laughs> that they allude to for kinsey going to boarding school is that she smokes cigarettes but doesn't inhale them so, <laughs> Martin Henderson, old as fuck. She's old. So why are they acting like they're young parents when they're not? And then, you know what else, also I forgot to mention earlier, made me think this movie was set in 2007 or 2008? They make a joke about cable being expensive and, like, that being a reason for the kids knowing the family is poor. It's like, if my parents cut cable in 2018, I'd be like, wow, finally. <laughs> I think it's you know? definitely it's definitely not modern day. No. It's not like 2017, 2018. Yeah, we'll give them the benefit of the doubt there. Because if it is 2018, that's a really shitty line. (laughs) So, 
We better hope it's not 2018. But anyways, Kinsey, I mean, she... The problem is the actress doesn't look like the kind of girl who would ever be a rebellious type. She looks like a Disney Channel actor. I thought she actually sold being afraid really well. Yeah, because she spends the entire movie crying. Is is there any scenes where she's not crying? There's there's one scene in particular when she's like on the couch. It's like right before the jump scare with the car that drives through. And she's like (laughs) talking to her brother. And they're like, don't worry, like we'll get out of this, blah, blah, blah. I thought that was, like, I was like, oh, like, she actually seems like she's selling it, because she's, like, only slightly sobbing. Uh-huh. And then and then she goes right back to crying and just being, like, hiding under trailers oh, and stuff. For the yeah, that was movie. such a fake-out. I thought she was, like, finally coming around and going to talk to her parents, and, like, you know, there was going to be a real conversation in this movie. But, no, she just gets up and slams the door for no reason. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, she's, she's always crying. And if you're gonna have a rebellious teen character like the Ramones, really, you're gonna put this like Walmart ass shirt on her? <laughs> Seriously? Like I wore Ramones t-shirts when I was in middle school because they sold them for eight dollars at Target. You know? Like, let's be real here. But yeah. So now let's talk about Luke. Luke is an idea. He's not a character. He's. <laughs> The older brother who... Likes baseball. Likes baseball. He can fight, kind of. I mean, good enough to kill... Yeah, yeah, no, let's give him some credit here. He kills one of them. He kills... He kills Pinup Girl. Pinup Girl, but, like, kind of a cheap that shot. Part, that part... Yeah, that part was cool, though. Like he's, she's, like, running up behind him, and yeah. that that was sh- sh- well, uh, well shot. Yeah. Not well. Yeah. He spins around and whacks her with a golf club. <laughs> It's that was awesome. pretty cool. I did like that. Um, <laughs> it's like, oh, that was really cool. I gotta admit. And then he stabs her like 40 times yeah. off camera. But, uh, like we mentioned, uh, I didn't like the fight, the pool scene. Like, when they're actually fighting in the pool with him. Because he drops the knife. Because he drops the knife. And then... And he gets stabbed in the back. Yeah. And that didn't kill him somehow. So he's st- still moving around <laughs> with like 80 stabs in his back from this guy who's like... Seven feet tall and obviously has super strength. Yeah. Stupid. Also, he looks like he's in his 30s, I want to say. Like, his he doesn't have a receding hairline in the way that he's going bald, but he has it in the way that, like, on the sides of his hairline, that's receding a little bit. And he has, like, well-defined forehead and smile lines. So, does not look 18, is what I'm trying to say. I mean, he's kind of like... In uh, Sam Raimi's Spider-Man 1, how Flash Thompson is, like, a 50-year-old car mechanic, and he's a bully <laughs> for Peter Parker, who's, like, also yeah. a 30-year-old college professor, even though he's a freshman in high school. Yeah. It's it's, it's a lot like that. And we tried to find uh, Lewis Pullman's age, but it's, it's not on the internet. It's a close, guarded secret. That might be what's in the Ark of the Covenant. Yeah, seriously. So, I didn't like that. Um so, in summation, the characters are poorly written, and the only one that you like gets killed immediately. But it's stupid that she gets killed, because she helps Kinsey through the, like, skylight of the RV. This is spoiled in the movie as well, or in the trailer as well. Um, and Pinup Girl, not Pinup Girl, Dollface, this is another reference, I think, is coming through the door like Jack Torrance in this The Shining. And she gets in there, and Christina Hendricks is like, well... 
We're in the same room. All you have is a knife, and I'm twice your size. Kill me. <laughs> well, the thing is, like, even if it was just the two of them in the room, like, why would you have your daughter escape? It's a two versus one. Yeah, she has a knife. It's like, you could disarm a, a teenage girl with a knife. You you yeah. have a teenage girl with you and an adult woman. You t- kick two her. of you kick her once in the chest. That's it. All you have to do. All you have to do. Here's here's how this could have been saved. They're in the bathroom. Take the lid off the toilet. <laughs> one of you stand next to the door. The other one stand by the mirror so that Dollface knows I'm gonna kill this bitch right by the sink. And then as soon as Dollface comes in the room, you just doink her over the head with the fucking porcelain toilet lid. <laughs> Down for the count. She's dead. And as is proven later in the movie, Kinsey has no problem killing this woman. So, like, she would have been fine. Just, you know, just hit her over the head with the toilet. Just give her a good dunk on the head with the toilet seat. I mean, it's just like... Not the seat. The thing on the top of the toilet. <laughs> the bowl. Not the bowl. The, the back part. Yeah, yeah. You know, like the For the, the water tank. Uh, <laughs> oh, it's just... It's laughable, like, how dumb these situations are in the movie. How easily they could be resolved. When when the guy gets impaled with the wood, I was, I that was like, oh, come I was like, oh, on. come on. All right, but <laughs> I think we've said everything we can say about this. No, we haven't, because there's still one more line I want to talk about. And in The Strangers 1, the most iconic part of the movie that I think solidifies it as a classic is when... Uh, the lady asks, why are you doing this? And they say, because you were home. Oh. In this movie, before Kinsey shoots pinup girl in the face with a shotgun, she says, why are you attacking us? Or something really stupid. And then the girl says, why not? <laughs> Fuck off with that shit. It's so dumb. Why do you... It's the, like... The thing is, like, and, if you're going to literally pay quote-unquote pay homage or rip scenes from other movies are you quote-unquoting my viewers <laughs> i'm doing air quotes while i'm saying this if we're going to <laughs> quote pay homage to old movies or even rip direct lines and sequences from the first strangers like when they first show up and say you know is tamer home is tamer home like go up to the trailer twice why wouldn't you repeat that line yeah why not who cares you know, you have to know the movie's not good by that point. <laughs> Go nuts. And, I mean, do we even want to talk about how bad the end sequence is versus Sackhead? Yeah, because we still haven't really talked about the difference between homage and <laughs> copying. Well, <laughs> looks like we're not going to get to a segment three this episode. <laughs> no, no, I'm sorry. I mean, we would have been beating a dead horse anyway with that segment three. Yeah, probably. So who really cares? But, uh, so, this is, like, a really telling thing I saw. I I went, so when people were commenting on my review with these idiot comments, I went to see other negative reviews of this movie to see if they were getting the same thing. So one of the people I went to is Chris Stuckman, and besides people telling, saying, uh, Chris grew up with the strangers, which is always a funny meme on Chris's comments, someone else, they were, he was getting the same comments, but then someone pointed out that he also didn't like the fact that this movie takes so much from other movies. And the one scene that got mentioned was the Texas Chainsaw Massacre by this commenter. And 
This movie takes so many different scenes from so many different movies. An argument started underneath <laughs> this comment about what scene was taken from Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And they all decided that like eight scenes were taken. And I only noticed one, but there are like a few. When Well, the end the of the movie had, is clearly the yeah, same as the end the, of Texas Chainsaw Massacre 1. That, that's, that's the one that I think the guy was really confident was the one where the car is like slowly chasing her because she can only run in a straight line and not jump off the side of the bridge into the river. Well, no, when she's in the back of the pickup truck. Oh, when she's in the back of the pickup, yeah. 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 Clearly right. okay. an homage to the very end of the first Texas Chainsaw when he's chasing her down the street yeah, with the axe yeah. and she's like in a pickup truck getting away screaming with blood on her face. Like that right. is like a shot for shot remake at the end of the first Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah, and... Also, this is after the sackhead guy has been fucking blown up. Like, a massive explosion in the truck. Like, like his he, car explodes with him in it, and he gets out and walks towards her, and is strong enough to fight. Which I don't necessarily have a problem with, but this isn't... This is, this is a sequel, and they are not supernatural characters. So there's no way he should have lived through that. Okay? And then, after all, you've seen... Dollface gets shot in the face with a shotgun. You've seen Pinup Girl get stabbed like 50 times. And you've seen Sackhead get blown up and killed with an axe. Kinsey and Luke are in the hospital at the end. And there's a knock on the door and you hear the jack-in-the-box that the strangers had. Insinuating that they're alive. Which is fucking stupid. That is bullshit there's no fucking way they could have lived through any of that the thing is like if this was a different ip where you like know halloween for example yeah just a different you know a different like an like an original idea if it was just a different oh, yeah, yeah, set right. of killers and they just and then there's no you know there's nothing saying that they aren't supernatural that they can't come back then sure whatever they're not dead even though they should be. I don't care. Yeah. But the fact that there's a whole movie that came out 10 years ago that sh- is, like, all about them being real people, and then <laughs> you take that and shit all over it in the sequel just makes no sense. Yeah, like, this movie takes place in the real world, supposedly. So stop fucking with supernatural ideas. You just look like an idiot that can't direct a movie. Also, also, the Christine stuff, okay? If that was the only thing in this movie, it would have been good. Honestly, I think I, I would have been fine with it. Like, I really like Christine. I don't think that movie gets referenced enough. Johannes Roberts says it's his favorite movie. Yes, go ahead and reference that movie. But again, we mentioned they reference so much of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. They also steal the score almost note for note from The Fog, which is just dumb because it doesn't work in this movie. And... They reference a billion other horror movies. So, not only in this mo- is this movie unoriginal in the way that it copies almost every scene that introduces the strangers from the first movie, but it also just takes the rest of its content from other movies. Which is not, not good. That's just not good. It's not good filmmaking. Yeah, it's just unoriginal. All the new characters introduced are unlikable and underdeveloped. The strangers themselves... The thing, why did they make the strangers lose? Yeah, that was a really dumb choice. Why would they lose? Why would they ki- why would they die? Why would they get killed? Because someone doesn't understand that 
making a shitty character and having them live does not make them dynamic. So Kinsey is a shitty character. She's poorly written. She's not very well acted, but again, can't really blame that on the actress, I guess, because the script is so bad. Yeah, the writing is pretty weak. Yeah, so I, this it's not fair to judge her as an actress on this movie, I don't think. Yeah, I would But she's not a good character and having her come out on top i like far less than if the strangers killed her i mean i think i don't know or at least if she could get away without killing them yeah like if she got away she stole she steals the car or something that's fine i don't care about it you could even you still do the scene from Texas Chainsaw Massacre at the end, but she just gets in a pickup truck and escapes. Yeah, that's fine. I don't. Live. I just. I don't get why they killed all the strangers. I don't either, because you'd think they wanted to make. Presumably, they wanted to make money on this movie and make more of them. Like, what's the point of bringing it back ten years later? Yeah, that's another thing. They want to bring it back ten years later, and then I saw a big, you know, big comments on my video that we're trying to say that this was a movie for a new generation but it's not because they kill off all the strangers it, so it's not a reboot it's a sequel yeah which means it's for fans of the first fucking movie and all they do is slap people who like the first movie in the face repeatedly and then to top it all off they kill all the strangers yeah I... and, and make them supernatural which is dumb <laughs> yeah it's just it's a mess, like, all the way through, basically. It's... It's a mess! <laughs> I mean, like, the writing is bad, characters are bad, setting is okay, but bad because it's too open, and there's no sense of claustrophobia, there's no sense of tension yeah. ever in the movie. I never felt tense watching it. The pool scene looked good, but was executed bad. The fight in the pool is not... is whack. I mean, it's like mm-hmm. the Christine bit when the car's on fire driving on the bridge looks cool, but again, is whack because there's a... If you, if you think about it for more than a second, it's whack. Because there's like a, a human being supposedly driving a flaming car across a bridge. The glaring editing error is also whack. I hated that. Just It's just a mess. It's a mess, and it shouldn't be a mess because The Strangers works because it's a simple movie. It's a very simple movie. And this one isn't. It is bizarrely blown out of proportion for what kind of movie it is. And it's kind of like 47 meters down, honestly. Where, like, you take this very nuanced, small concept and you make it way too fucking big. And you do way too much with it. Yeah. And the good aspects that could have been there are completely lost. Yeah. It's just... Uh, It's sad. That yeah. this is the sequel that we get to The First Strangers, which, I mean, I know not everybody loves The First Strangers, but at the same time, if you compare the two, if you were to watch these two side by side, there's one that's clearly superior to the other. And it's Goosebumps, The Haunted Mask. And it is Carly Beth in The Haunted Mask and don't, her creepy don't, voice. Don't bring that name into this. <laughs> I said the, the Haunted Mask. I did not mention that person <laughs> but yeah so if you want to go see the strangers pray at night it uh, actually did pretty well um well the budget was only ten... five million so it was gonna make yeah, money yeah i know way. it made 10 million which is a lot it's a bit about on par what people guessed it would make 
honestly, if you want to go see this movie, go see it. And if you like the movie, good for you. Honestly, I, I don't... My goal isn't to get you to hate this movie. My goal is to tell you why I hate this movie. And I really do hate it. You know, it's... it's I We, we don't like a lot of movies, I will admit. We I went mean, into this... We could go back to the first episode where we said we weren't going to shit on every movie, and lo and behold, that's exactly what we do every week. But, you know, we recognize the good aspects of these movies. This movie is just so bloated, so messy, so poorly made, when it shouldn't have been, that I hate it. I mean, I feel like we are just... I wish it didn't exist. We aren't just shitting on it for no reason. You know, we try to have valid points for why we don't like it, and, Mm. you know... If I mean, if you don't mind, if you think the writing is fine because it's a slasher movie or whatever, I mean, I don't see how it's really a slasher movie. If you just take one of the characters that's supposed to be a human and make him supernatural, that doesn't really turn it automatically into a slasher movie for me, but... Mm-hmm. And we like slasher movies. Yeah. Obviously. Yeah. We talk about Halloween every week. <laughs> we have a Halloween alert. Comes in through the yeah, pipeline seriously. every week. So... And look, like, just to be honest here and, like, real with you guys, we're, we're obviously taking this to an extreme with how we're talking about it, but a lot of the points we're making, or I guess all the points we're making, that's how we actually feel, but we're just kind of, you know, we're, we're hamming it up a little bit to make it interesting. So if you like the movie, there's nothing wrong with you. That's okay. It's okay to like bad movies. I like Halloween 4 and 5, you know? Like, I, I really like those movies. It's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. We just think the movie's bad. But if you don't, that's yeah. that's okay. I mean, Satan's really Little Helper okay. is one of my favorite horror oh, yeah, movies seriously. ever, and that's a terrible <laughs> movie. It's so People bad, think I'm but I love all it. The time. Like, I fucking love that movie. Yeah, I mean, and like I was saying, I mean, if these if those things don't bother you, if you're not bothered by the writing, and you think that you know you're not supposed to care about the characters, and you like it for what it is, then cool. I mean, I'm glad you liked it, but personally, um, my opinion is I didn't think it was very good at all. But yeah, guys, so that's what we thought of The Strangers Pray at Night. Uh, so next week, I don't think there's any new movies coming out this week that we can talk about. So maybe we'll watch a movie that we both really like to talk about something that's good. So you guys can hear some positive thoughts from us. I think that's a good noble cause on our part. <laughs> <laughs> so that that's what I think we'll do. Uh, so also in two weeks, we'll be reviewing um, Steven Soderbergh's Unsane, which I'm seeing tomorrow. And George is going to see it when it's in theaters. So hopefully that's good. It was shot on an iPhone, and I think that's pretty cool. And Steven Soderbergh is a great director. So, hey, that looks pretty cool. Uh, But, yeah, that is our show for the week. If you like the episode, let us know by leaving us a five-star review on iTunes. Also, you can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Fear Frequency. I'm on my personal Twitter and Instagram at Jimmy Champagne. And George is at George Frizzard on everything. Uh, And, yeah, I think that about covers it. So, George, you bring us home on this one. All right, uh, as always, come back next week for more horror news and reviews, and you never know who might be listening. 